0: Hello, hello, listeners to the Third Way podcast. Uh, I love language, as you know from, well, reading my stuff and listening to these episodes and have had a lifelong fascination with the craft of language and, you know, that you would call that either oratory or or writing. Um, I also have been working on this idea that there is a, uh, there's the hero's journey, which is sort of the journey outward. You can say that's a journey of the mind. and Then there's the heroine journey, which is a journey inward, you could say, to the heart. But I think there's a third journey. And I know that Stephen Pressfield, who I love, has the artist journey, but I don't know if that's entirely it. I think maybe that after you do the head journey and the heart journey, the next journey is uh, the Oracle's journey, where you have the call to write all of this down. So that is the topic of today's episode. Writing all this down with one of my favorite people on this planet, uh, Stacy Ennis is a writing coach. And again, like a lot of people that are um, multidimensional, titles are titles are hard to describe. Her, um, I've known her for many years, uh, and I think maybe fifteen years at this point, something like that. Um, and she actually edited my first book. Um, oatmeal versus bacon, and we've remained friends um, and uh, co collaborators on a variety of things over the years. And so, uh, Stacy is joining us from Portugal, and um, welcome.
1: Thank you, Justin. I'm really excited about this conversation.
0: Me too. Um, yeah. So you, yeah, I, I always think about like the origin of meeting someone. So the other day I recorded an episode with uh, Eric, Gareth Higgins, who wrote the book, uh, How Not to Be Afraid. And I knew him five minutes before I hit record <laughs> with you. I think it was at the, we met for the first time when you were writing for a local magazine, right? Boise yeah. Was it Boise Urban something?
1: But I worked on your book before that because I was still in Vietnam, actually living in Vietnam when when I worked on your book.
0: But I, I don't think I we remember. met because you, you had just come back from Vietnam. This is like 2011. Yeah, two,
1: yeah, 2011. Yeah, yeah. But I remember meeting you at the library coffee house.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: I remember we had a table kind of in the corner, I think, yeah. and. And I just loved our conversation. It was such a good discussion. And yeah. yeah.
0: And then I randomly, through someone else that you don't even know, met your dad. And he and I, he was instrumental in my trauma healing process. Like, you know, one of the without him, I don't know that I would be here. So that's kind of a cool little side side note as well. So anyway, we'll do old home week, you know, when we're not recording. (laughs) Uh, But it's just really wonderful to have you here. And the topic of writing it all down, you know, came to me. And, you know, this idea of Oracle's journey immediately thought of having you on. And I think often of one of my favorite and most influential writers, Louis L'Amour, the prolific Western author who passed in the eighties, but he said um, in his memoir, Education of a Wandering Man, um, one does not decide to be a writer and start writing. One starts writing and becomes a writer. And it feels like there is this sort of call, maybe some people hear it sooner than others to write it all down. Um, but that kind of leads into my first question is, I'm sure you hear this a lot. I know I hear a lot with my clients is when I mention, well, you need to write a book, you need to write it all down. And they say, I'm sure they say it to you too, is, well, I'm not a writer. What When you hear that, what is your response to that when someone says they're not a writer?
1: I ask about their teachers that they had in school. I mean, honestly, I really believe that around the age of six or seven, now I have a seven year old, so I'm experiencing this now, we either self sort or get sorted into two groups. One is creative and one is not creative. And we assume this identity and it's reinforced both by our own behaviors and by the input that we get from teachers, parents, friends, and that becomes a story that we tell ourselves forever, unless, unless we interrupt that. Um, mm-hmm. I firmly believe, and I, I know you agree with this, that everyone is creative. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that I hope that anyone listening to this who, ide- who does not identify as a writer will hear is that writing is a skill. Mm-hmm. You are not born an amazing writer, you develop into a great writer. That is a skill that you develop over time, and that means that you can learn the skill of writing. You can also learn the skill of book writing, right? Because those are kind of different skill sets. Um, and I have yet to meet somebody who can't do that. It's just that you have to, just like learning a language or you know learning how to do something physically, you have to. Create an education plan for yourself, and you have to execute with consistency and discipline, and you have to show up and do the work. And over time, you will improve and you will develop that skill.
0: Hundred percent agree, and I think that where we humans are endowed with um, kind of a starting point to certain things, like uh, and that we all have it, and then there are things that are kind of on a spectrum, like athleticism or you know certain people are better at math than others. And, you know, there's the, the learning styles of the, the way we, you know, consume information of auditory and visual and um, um those type of things. Those are all different based off of wiring. but there's this baseline, I think, of two particular, like, communication or art forms. And one is that we all have the ability to learn the skill to write, to reiterate what you said. And the second is, we do all have the ability to be speakers, to be orators. Um, it's a matter of skill and confidence, and it's it, that's why you know when I'm coaching someone um, on speaking, um, which I do a lot of, because almost every client I have, I recommend that they have some sort of keynote that they give and learn how to do it. And many people are terrified of that, but what what, what we're doing, and I think, is We're doing two things with becoming writers or speakers. We are removing the biases that says we're not those things. And once we remove those and strip them away, it's kind of like, I think it was uh, Dalai Lama said, um, we're already happy. We just need to remove the unhappiness. Um, You know, we're already writers and speakers. We just need to remove the biases that say that we're not so that we have room to learn the skill. And I, and I think that there's some sort of like quotient there. The more you remove the biases that you're not something, the more it makes space to learn the skill to become that, per the Louis L'Amour quote, so.
1: Yeah, I um, 100% agree. And then just to further that point, one thing that I see is that people have a very limited view of what writing means. And so there's this belief that to be a writer, I have to be have a pen to paper, or I need to have fingers to a keyboard. But actually, just like now we read through listening, you can also write through speaking. And so if somebody is finding that they're really struggling with that, you know, sitting down and typing, there are other ways that you can activate your ability to create, but you have to be willing to try different ways to access that within yourself.
0: Right. And and this is a kind of a subset to this is um, you worked with. Uh, one of my dearest friends and a guest on the podcast as well, Mike Green, um, mm-hmm. on his book. Um, Mike's
1: awesome. <laughs> he is awesome. Yeah, yeah.
0: and you know, so, someone, and I don't think he'd mind me saying this. He said, "Well, I'm not a writer." When I first told him, "We, dude, you got to write all this down." Again, write it all down. And I'm curious about your process for giving him both the structure and the space to be courageous, because Mike is a very courageous man. He's been to like. 62 countries and done crazy shit you got to read about it in his book uh wander wander must um what are some of the ways that you kind of helped him get on track to becoming a writer not so much the process of writing a book but the mindset of writing a book
1: well when little note on Mike is that his first draft was over 100,000 words, which is really, really long for a nonfiction book, the average is around 60,000. So not only was he able to write, but he wrote a lot more than he needed to. And he ended up having to cut it down because he was able to get so much down. Um, The thing is, when I when I coach people writing their books, I am not teaching them how to write x type of book. I'm simply giving them a, a, an idea organizing system. So I'm teaching them how to take all the things in their head, sort through it, pick an area of focus, and then build the structure for a book. And then I'm teaching them about planning, project management actually, and lifestyle design to make it happen. And it sounds simple when I say it aloud, but this is, the number one thing that I think is missing in most writing instruction, people need to go really wide before they can go really deep and they have to get everything out and it takes time. This is the other thing that I have a real challenge with in my industry, uh, especially in business and leadership, which is where I niche. Um, Everybody just wants it done yesterday they want to get in get the book done get it published by the end of the year and that's just not how great books are written it takes time you have to give stretchy space to find that structure
0: yeah writing a book is like any art it's like it's like making bourbon not white cloth (laughs) yeah 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 and it's and i say that with as much derisive uh condensation as possible (laughs) Uh, the white claw or Keurig or whatever, you know, you pick your, like your shitty variant. Mm -hmm. Um, That's, that's, that's that like speed. And it goes to like, again, the masculine too. And that's why my next book that I'll be starting soon is called the art of unfinishing. And it's about bringing mysticism to business. But one of the lines that I use in, because it's a keynote as well, is that men are obsessed with finishing. And I say, you can take that any way you want. (laughs) uh because it's it's like that aggression to get to the end product and the good the good stuff in life it doesn't work that way um and so i love that um that what you said about the lifestyle and the project management and it's not a certain kind of book that you're you're coaching them on i think that's i mean i know that about you but it's so refreshing to hear that you know right now which kind of leads to the next question because the, this 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 topic of write it all down isn't really ultimately for me about writing a book. Um, I mean, writing a book is sort of the end game, maybe for people. But I think having a writing practice is a essential uh, part of a spiritual practice. Essential part of, I would say, like meditation, uh, writing, and um, stillness um, or nature. You know, some sort of combination of. of of things that are what I call ICE, I-C-E, which is immersive creative experiences. Um, And when I mean immersive creative experiences, I mean, yes, going to cool places like art museums or Virginia and I went to this place in Tulum called Mystica, which was one of the most immersive creative experiences I've ever been Mm -hmm. in. But the more immersive is when you are the creator of something and I think that when you access the creator within you, which writing practice does, it unlocks something that you can't get to through just being a student all the time or being a consumer of information. So why, why do you think in all this modern time, you mentioned fingers on keyboards and digital and downloads, and we listen all this like massive over-proliferation of content, why is it, why is it important to you that you and the people that you coach have a writing practice?
1: So I'll tell you a story about this morning. Um, I found out this week that a professor that I just deeply admired passed away. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, it just was kind of simmering in the back of my head, but I, being a mom, being a business owner, had not had any time to even really think about it. And I had a lot of work to do today, but instead I sat down and I wrote about it and processed and spent that time and space to just get my thoughts down, get my memories down and like pay respects to this person. And for me, that was such a gift to have developed this skill over years that when I'm feeling something or I need to process something, that I have a clear way that I can go and and process that. So that's one piece of it. On an emotional mm-hmm. level, on a strategic level as a business owner, um, on a spiritual level to your point. So that's one piece of it. The other piece of it is that um, in our modern times, we have so much input all day from all angles, from all the apps, from everything. And we it's very seldom to even have five straight minutes of complete silence in our lives complete silence, meaning not just sound, but input of some kind. Like I am just still, I am here and present. Nothing else is coming in. And the consistent discipline of creating space in, um, in the book that I co-authored with our mutual friend, Ron Price, we call it discretionary time. So it's creating this consistent practice of focus every day this is the space that we can go to. Now, Actually, there's good neurological research that backs up that if you have this consistent habit, your brain actually trains to get into focus and flow faster, and to Mm -hmm. be able to go deeper. And so when you have that consistent space, not only do you access deeper creativity, are you able to tap into flow, This also means that you're way more productive, but not in the American definition of productivity, in the definition of productivity that I have, where productivity is actually about getting better quality work done in less time to create more space in your life, not to do more work. Mm -hmm. And you also are just able to um, it's like almost trusting that you have this space that you have protected like a mama bear to be Mm -hmm. able to do the things that require that intention and attention and focus. Um, for me, I set aside two straight hours every day minimum. Um, now I'm a mom, so things come up, it's life, but on most days, it's a good solid block. And that is whether you're writing or strategic planning or doodling, you know, like you're drawing and kind of processing whatever that looks like. I think that's the number one, Thing that we can all do to train our brains to be more present and creative, and
0: yeah, yeah. amen. High fives, all that. That's beautifully and brilliantly said. Um, I would add to that two things, um, and well, maybe these are additional comments to what you said. And one is is that there is much to process um, in life. You know, so you have your baseline that life is suffering. Um, you know there's hard times and we, we grieve you talk about the loss of your professor and um, so we have um, things that are part of the life experience that we we that if they stay in our head they can they can they can I think they encourage stagnation of some sort um, uh, they encourage unprocessing um, of those feelings and thoughts so that's number one there's is that sort of daily life, like real life stuff. And then there's existential processing. You know, so we, we are these super advanced uh, mammals with a neocortex, but our brain doesn't necessarily discern between like grief of losing someone and um, the existential crisis of uh, some existential crisis. We have a hard time discerning that within our own head. And when we get it out in writing, we literally get it out of our head and we can see what it is. We can examine it. And this is this is what kind of the very beginning of mindfulness or consciousness of two things is one. The first step, I think, is when you realize you are not your thoughts and feelings that you can observe them. And then the second thing is when you can write down your thoughts and feelings and then be curious about them and examine them, that it it, it's a catharsis for the real shit. And it's a um, kind of a, uh, a a distiller or a or a, uh, a getting rid of almost or processing of the existential stuff. Um, I think you talked about strategy too, is um, and Jordan Peterson talks about this that no great thinker is no, there are no great thinkers that aren't writers. Um, and so when you hear about somebody that doesn't read and doesn't write, I just I I don't I don't trust them and. We we know people in uh, prominent people in American culture that are like that, and there's something strategic about being a writer too. That it, I think it's because language is one of the few things that exercises both the left and the right brain, and so it could be speaking too. But something about pen to paper in particular, like you know, not not just using your iPad, which I do some variation of that too, um, but about sitting down and writing out your plans writing out your goals writing out your imaginations writing out your fears um and even then also like there's a almost like uh especially i'm i'll be 52 next month and this is part of that oracle's journey is the other reason to write it all down is that somebody might read it someday in the sense that it is a, that there's gifts in there so one of my favorite kind of obscure thinkers was Dag Hammarskjold, who was the second Secretary of the United, Secretary General of the UN. And he kept a journal and it's called, and, and he had instructions when he died to turn it into a book. Um, and it's called Markings. And it's amazing. And I'm sure you could name many, many other examples of journals that became books and how much wisdom is in them, is in there. And so I actually have two journals, one where I do I have sort of a processing of like the, of, you know, the stuff that I'm naming names and, you know, like, get it, you know, stuff that's super private. And then I have a journal that's more like I write in the sense that it's more the practice because someday maybe my sons will or my grandchildren will decide to publish it and I want it to be readable. <laughs> and <I want laughs> to make their life easy if they decide to, you know, since I wrote it all down, so. Anyway, I'm fascinated by that. Um, So you are a coach of a craft, as I am a coach of a craft. You know, you coach writing. I coach how to boldly be yourself in the world, especially if you're a solo entrepreneur. Um, And so I'm curious, as you think of your craft, what are some new writing practices or rituals that you've implemented in the last, you know, year, let's say? Kind of a new or or a systemic change that you've made to the way that you do you do your craft, not not to say how you teach it to others.
1: Well, I'm in an interesting space right now because we have had some uh, changes in our just daily rhythm of family, and so the space that I had last school year that was consistent and focused, I don't have that now. So. I'm kind of finding a new rhythm um, so that it's kind of an interesting space. But I can say from a habits perspective, but from a, um, a craft perspective, I think the biggest change is that I am having an opinion now when I'm sharing my ideas and I, you're smiling. I, people can't see it because I think you told me to do that like eight years ago. But um, <laughs> I think it's it's an interesting It's interesting, I've been in business for 13 years and I started my business when I was in my 20s, my mid 20s. And um, it's an interesting thing growing up with your business and being a 20 something in a room of, you know, with a CEO and, uh, you know, with these people that are older and, you know, they seem so confident and experienced and like finding your way and then getting to a place where you're not the 20-something anymore, you're actually like a grown-up now, and um, and finding your voice within that and kind of growing, growing in that space. Um, and I think for a, no, I know for a long time I was really afraid to have an opinion because I just worried that I don't know when you're when you're younger and you're trying to fit into spaces, you don't want to offend anyone, right? So. I don't it's kind of hard to explain, but I, it's been a journey for me to just be able to share what I think. And I would say also, I'm not like a, a kind of person that goes out in a normal day to day and just like instigates problems. You know, I'm not like, hey, this is my opinion. So um, just even getting comfortable with that as right. somebody who's not like that. Um, but it's actually been super fun. I've had so much fun, more fun in the last year than I ever have, just with that freedom to just yeah say what i want to say yeah
0: that's interesting yeah i've I've had to i've had the different a a different path on that like i had an opinion on everything and i still do but i i had the realization this isn't so much related in i mean somewhat related to writing is i i I only um speak about or write about that which i've experienced or especially that i've experienced i don't so i don't I don't write about my opinion per se of Black Lives Matter or um the overturning of Roe v. Wade. I have views about it that if someone were to ask me, I would, but I would defer to the people that are most impacted by that. You know, especially as a you know straight white American male. Like, like, okay, I I, I have a lens that's different because of I've had a different experience. And I think that's where having an opinion seeping into your writing kind of dilutes it's having an opinion that you have that you don't have the, even the ability to experience like having an opinion on childbirth as an example, a dude having an opinion on childbirth is like, there's a lot of equivalencies to that. Um, so I love that you're more um, I said, cause you know, I read pretty much everything you write. I don't, it doesn't seem opinionated. It just seems more direct. It's more declarative. Yeah, um, there's less maybes and sort of, you know, not that you use those words, but this it's, it's a little more direct um, because you were probably right all along. You just weren't articulating it as a viewpoint. Um, but I understand that journey. Um,
1: but just to be clear, I'm not yeah. talking about politics and anything. <laughs> I'm not a like yeah. that's not me. It's more like, you know, with my depth of knowledge in this industry and uh, building a business and different things. Like, you're right, it's just saying the thing versus feeling like I needed to sit on the fence and not have a perspective about things, just be informative. So that's been the shift. I'm definitely not talking about current affairs or anything like that, because it's not my area of expertise.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, for me, um, I mean, most people that listen to this know that I have a book of essays coming out called Essays from a Pandemic. And it was, I still do this, um, I missed a few days in 2022, but uh, I wrote an essay every Monday, starting with the first Monday of 2020, way before I knew, we knew obviously there was going to be a pandemic, that it was going to be the end of my marriage, that I was going to meet at the, you know, in December of 2020, I was going to meet Virginia and, you know, go on and have a spiritual awakening, another one. I mean, and that's why you got to write all, write it all down while well, it's happening, because, you know, it's almost like I go back and read the essays, especially from when the pandemic hit through the end of 2021, it's, it's like live blogging, weekly blogging of how I was experiencing the world. So I, I wrote about like what happened on January 6th with the, you know, I wrote about um, uh, I wrote about like a lot of inner, inner stuff, but as far as practices, other than continuing that practice um, I have. I have started doing, um, as I mentioned, I have this kind of separate journals, but earlier this year I started using an ideation journal um, where and it kind of was inspired by someone we were talking about uh, before we hit record, Yvonne Chouinard, uh, the founder of Patagonia. And one of his, one of his bits of wisdom that he has that he, he tells his employees is um, about like taking risks and research and development. He says try something. And if it feels good, keep doing it. And I often think often think about that of like if I can sit down and I can write out an outline or I can play with a, a concept or a thought. Like I've got, I the the the, the, the most recent essay as of this recording um, is called um, "A Coalition of the Rational," and it is a reflection of lots of journaling in my in in. Uh, in that ideation journal around polarization and that some level of polarization is necessary, and that we shouldn't demonize all polarization. Um, but that came from there, and I'm working on another one about how do you blend logistics and faith, and I, and I'm and I'm just dumping those in there and kind of you know you if you see them there's like arrows and and looping and like how does this fit together and it's been. Um, it's been a, like there's a lot of stuff in there that may never go beyond that journal because I did the Chenard model. It's just like I, I took action and I'm like, oh, this is more maybe amusing that I can post you know it's probably a, a you know a short little blurb that I can post. It's not an essay um, And it was from that ideation journal that came the art of unfinishing that that became a keynote that now will be a book and that's I got that. In preparation for giving a commencement speech, I, would, I use that for any form of creative output, not just uh, not just writing. So, um, yeah. So is is there is there um, I, this is not a normal question I would ask, but I'm curious because I know you have a lot of different ways that people can access your your knowledge and wisdom. And I know you have a self-directed course coming out and I'll link to it in the show notes. Um, But I'm curious about how, what, what is, what is the, what is the first thing if someone's going to go embark on this journey of writing it all down, what do you do first?
1: Well, I mean, to the topic that we've been covering this entire discussion or a lot of it, I should say is develop that habit. And one of the things that I find is that people set unnecessary expectations and then they feel yeah. like a failure and then they jump ship and they don't come back. So as an example, um, I get a lot of emails from people who are on my email list. They just reply to my, my emails that I send out and I and it's great because I get so much insight into where people's road, roadblocks are and I personally, personally reply to all of them. And I got a message from somebody one day who said, he sent me a long email about, you know, he'd set these goals for writing and he wasn't hitting them. And his goals were like, it was like two hours. He wanted to, he he had, didn't have a writing habit, but he wanted to sit down for like two hours and he wanted to hit, I don't know, it was like a thousand or 1500 words. And, and I just came back and I was like, okay, what if we set a goal of 15 minutes and no word count goal. Let's just start there. Mm -hmm. And he came back a couple weeks later and he said, I can't believe it. It's completely unlocked me. I am when I sit down, I am the words are flowing out of me. And it was just that It's like anything you wouldn't go out and run a marathon today. If you haven't been training, you have to train that. So what I would suggest is two things. One is When you wake up in the morning, do not reach for your phone. Do not check your computer. Do not watch television. You can read a book if it's mind expanding, but not if it's going to shut you down. Um, And get some habits in order that are repeated every single day. Um, For me, I drink 18 ounces of water. My son started making me coffee, so he makes me coffee. I do yoga and read at the same time, which sounds funny, but it works. And then I get into writing. So whatever those habits are, that morning is critical. And then just write for five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. What I suspect our listeners will find is that if they're consistent, they sit down consistently every day and do the same thing they will lose track of time, and they will find that their their writing expands without them even planning it. And you don't have to have like a book that you're working on, you don't have to have anything specific. Um, But it's often helpful to have some idea, like even if you're just processing your thoughts, or you have a question that you wanted to think about, or you know, you have something that's troubling you, you can just use it as free flow. If you're working on a work in progress, you can use that time to work on that thing. But sometimes it's good to spend a couple of weeks like getting the habit in place from a free flow perspective before you start on that project.
0: Yeah, that's excellent. I would, add, I would add my thoughts just real quick and then we'll wrap here. But um, I think, kind of a twofold thing. One is find your sweet spot. So for you, like it's the morning, um, that's for me as well. When I'm writing the essays, I also find the place. I have to write essays or anything that's long form. I can't do it in silence. I can't be in complete silence. I have to go to a coffee shop. So one of my very common rituals is I'll drive an hour or plus outside of Austin to some coffee shop I haven't been to. And I'll go early enough to go for a hike And um, I'll, I'll think about, and I'll usually sit in nature and look at my ideation journal, maybe jot a few things down, go to the coffee shop, get a caffeine infusion, and then start writing. And the funny thing about it is it's never easy. It's a skill. I'm better at it. I get lots of feedback that my writing is getting better and better, but it's never fun. It always reminds me of leg day in the gym. It's never like, oh yeah, I get to do squats. And now speaking, I could do with, you know, a head wound (laughs) it's but writing is always going to be is always hard so but finding that sweet spot the second thing is is if you don't have a writing practice at all and you're intrigued by this start with your biggest feeling that you're having feelings are much easier to write about especially if uh uh, i think it's especially true if you come from a generation of uh, if you're a man and you come from a generation where you're not allowed to have feelings other than like humor and anger sitting and writing about sadness or writing about desire or yearning or anger or whatever, your mind, the creative part of your mind that needs to process and articulate, I think is going to access that much easier than writing down ideas or writing about your thoughts. Um, And you get the double benefit that it will be cathartic. I, I promise you, it will be cathartic to write about your feelings. And if those feelings are about someone, someone maybe harmed you or hurt you or you know, as long as your journal is secure, write it to them. You know, all the all the shit you can't say to their face because, you know, you, you maybe that's not safe for you. Getting it all out and writing about emotions. And once you understand that you can write about your emotions, you can write about anything. Um, and so that's my counsel.
1: I love that so much, Jessing. I want to add. Can I add two things of to course. that? Of course. Yes. <laughs> um, number one, here's where I'm going to have an opinion. <laughs> There's most of the people out there will say, find the time of day that works best for you to write with your energy level. Yeah, and that's it is true that we're biologically wired to be morning people or night people like there's good research on that. However, if you're a night person, but you're not getting your writing done, I would try the mornings anyway. And this You know, a lot of people are resistant to this. They're like, oh, but I'm so much more productive in the evening. I'm like, are you though? Are you actually writing? Or is the day crowding out your writing? So usually what I recommend is try it, give it like three weeks, four weeks, because that's about how much time you need to be able to see if it's really working. And then, hey, guess what? If you have some energy later in the evening, you can use that time too. But there's actually also research on willpower And what researchers have found is that willpower wanes throughout the day. So we have higher willpower in the morning. And by the time we get to the evening, we start having all these excuses because we're tired, so we don't want to do the thing. So that's, that's one piece that I would give any listener who's struggling to make time to write. The other thing that I thought you said that was really profound is, uh, so I went on a walk one time with Seth Godin, I don't know if you've followed his work um he was in boise yeah we went on like a 45 minute walk it was great it was awesome um and i asked him a question about his writing process and i probably he's gotten this question like a thousand times he's like again really but he said how long does it take you to write your daily blogs because he's famous for writing a blog every day and he said well do you mean actually forming the idea or do you mean sitting down and writing because i spend seven hours thinking about it and i might spend 10 or 15 minutes writing it and that's to your point that space that you're creating to think about it the thing about a routine that's so powerful is that you have anticipation of when you'll be able to process those thoughts right so you when you know that you're going to be sitting down to write the next day some cool things happen in your brain, even while you're sleeping. And then as you're getting ready to go into that writing space, you're going to process the day before you're going to process while you're sleeping. You're going to process in the morning or whenever you sit down to write until you sit down to write. And that's one of the the things that I think is so powerful from a neuroscience perspective about that habit building. Mm
0: -hmm. Great. Well, Thank you so much. Like I said, I'll link to your website in the show notes. I highly recommend you, you join Stacy's email list. So much good um, generosity of thought in, in what you put out, Stacy. And then I'll link to the uh, self-directed course as well. And so thank you so much for doing this with me. Enjoy the rest of your, I guess, afternoon and evening in Portugal and um, we'll talk soon.
1: Thank you so much, Justin.